she put me on the pill. Or Norplant or Depo, fill in the blank. What's that protecting that girl from? It's birth control protects you from. That drug, that hormone that this girl is taking has just made her ten times more likely to contract a disease than if she were not taking that drug. This girl's going to end up sterile or dead. Thanks, Mom. Glad you cared. Hey, I'm Ailish, and this is Jezebel and Friends, where my friend Helen and I are going to share some of our stories from Catholic school. Hey, I'm Helen, and to give you some context, we attended a K-8 through grade Catholic school and then an all-girls Catholic high school. This episode will be about Fully Alive, which was a religious indoctrination in shame that was supposed to be sex ed. Also, the show contains some dark themes. Fully Alive was a very problematic sex ed curriculum, and we might mention topics around sexual abuse, but we won't go into graphic detail. Okay, um, I actually have been meaning to ask you this question before we get into the Fully Alive part, but (laughs) have your parents acknowledged the podcast? No, of course not. Have yours? (laughs) no like before we even started recording anything I told them that you and I were like talking about that like doing it and my mom didn't seem like nervous about it she was like oh cool she might not have even really been listening I've told my brothers to listen to it but only the oldest one has, but I don't think he's listened to all the episodes, which is really sad. That is really sad. Now it's time to talk about Fully Alive. Girls and boys were separated because they knew we couldn't handle it when they started to get into the nitty gritty nasty shit, which wasn't even like that graphic if you think back obviously I don't remember it but the way that they were presenting sex to us there's it was so sugar-coated yeah the boys went into madame butterflies class <laughs> and <laughs> apparently she <laughs> just took out a strap on and started pretending to jack off <laughs> That did not happen, but that would have been awesome. I also feel like it's confusing that the boys went into Miss or Madame Butterfly's class and we went with Mrs. Bathsheba because I feel like the guys needed Mrs. Bathsheba because they were insane and could not handle it. I remember it being really awkward. Today, like, educated and, like, up-to-date modern sex education programs, they don't separate boys and girls because those aren't two, like, conclusive groups. Like, there are people who are neither boys or girls. It can be really harmful. In really good programs, they can, like, set the tone so that people do break the ice and they are comfortable. I also just feel like separating kids in general reinforces this idea of like shame around sex and sex drive, which is completely natural, especially at the age that they're presenting this to us. That's when we're like starting to go through puberty and starting to be like curious about it. So to right off the bat, make it seem like this taboo thing causes, I think it caused a lot of problems like from the get go. I remember when I when we actually learned about what wet dreams were, 
I thought I had never heard of something more disgusting in my life. <laughs> Did we learn about that in Fully Alive? Yeah. Surprisingly. I think this is obvious, but right now it's just starting to sink in for me how strange it was that that lesson was part of religion rather than science. Mm-hmm. Like we went over science like in science we went over chapters about like atoms and molecules and like anatomy (laughs) that it's just it's strange that they wouldn't have just like knocked that one out yeah we didn't learn much about the anatomy at all like aside from there being diagrams in the books which we always like I always like loved looking at those pages and like showing them to people (laughs) you were like look I loved just opening it to that page and just putting, like, holding it up in front of the class just to see how people would react. Do you remember when we would get to those pages and we would be, like, in our separated classrooms? We would, like, the teacher would be, like, turn to page blah, 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 and we would all know what was happening. (laughs) They would give us, like, one minute of silence to be, like, have your fun, let it out. (laughs) And then we were just expected to go on with the lesson. (laughs) One thing that was really disturbing is that they do explicitly teach that masturbation is a sin. And they're even still teaching that, obviously, but I just want to like reiterate how insane that is because my brother's in eighth grade at um, St. Balthazar right now. (laughs) (laughs) And he told me that, first of all, he couldn't remember if they still had the Fully Alive books, but also they, it was COVID and stuff, so a lot of things were different, but he straight up doesn't even know if they touched on sex education last year in his seventh grade year at all. Now, that could be on him, (laughs) but that's pretty crazy. But they do, they did explicitly state that masturbation is a sin. And they're 14-year-olds. Like, they need to be cranking. (laughs) (laughs) Ew, that's so gross. I honestly, do you remember as, like, I feel like fifth grade was, like, the big bang when it was, like, the pictures and diagrams associated with like sex education were more graphic like in earlier years I feel like anything alluding to sex was just like a mommy and daddy sleeping in a bed and then you like connected the dots in your head but nobody like talked about it in fifth grade was when they tried to like dive into sex ed and then from that point forward it would get a little bit more in depth In eighth grade, do you remember when we had to watch the live birth? I screamed. (laughs) I screamed out loud because I was like, I didn't know it was going to be like that. They followed that up with crazy pro-life propaganda. We watched these extensive videos with this lunatic woman. I remember. Wait, was her name Pam? She... She looked like it. And I is this the same woman who was, like, talking about losing your virginity and how, like, it had to be after you were married and how 
if someone was pressuring you into having sex, you were supposed to take out a quarter and be like, here's a quarter. Why don't you call my dad and ask? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. She worked at, like, a crisis pregnancy center. So people would come to her center in crisis and be like, I had unprotected sex. I might be pregnant. And I remember this clear as day, her being like, You'd be lucky if you were pregnant. You could have chlamydia, gonorrhea, all all these things. And it was in such, like, a bullying, shaming way. It actually just kind of gave me a flashback to my doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pregnancy is the biggest fear of teens having sex today. Then make a bit of sense to me. I got a newsflash for you. Pregnancy is not a disease. It's survivable. You can live through it. I've lived through it three times now. A few extra pounds here and there. It hasn't killed me yet. I'd have girls in my office for pregnancy tests, scared to death, waiting for the results of that test. I walk in, look at this girl, and say, your test is negative. She gets this look of relief over her face like I am off the hook, not pregnant. Thank you very much. Let me out of your office. Wait a minute. Have you been tested for syphilis, gonorrhea, herpes, chlamydia, trichinomus, vulvodemia, arthritis, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, HPV, HIV? Have you been tested for this? Me? This girl is in my office thinking that she could possibly be pregnant and she doesn't think she could have a disease. Students, you have a four times greater risk of contracting a disease today than you ever have of being pregnant. Pregnant teen girls, pregnant teenage girls in this country today are carrying on average 2.3 sexually transmitted diseases. Not one, not two, most of them three or more. But they weren't worried about disease. They didn't want to get pregnant. Every school I'm in, Without exception, I will have a girl write me, email me, or come right up to me and say this. Well, my mom found out I was having sex, and so she put me on the pill. Or Norplant or Depo, fill in the blank. What's that protecting that girl from? It's birth control protects you from. Pregnancy. That drug, that hormone that this girl is taking has just made her ten times more likely to contract a disease than if she were not taking that drug. This girl's going to end up sterile or dead. And then at the end, she drops the bomb that she was put up for adoption. This story would have been very convenient for her pro-life agenda. She was put up for adoption, and her dad raped her mom. And her mom had the courage to still have the baby. And that baby was her. 34 years ago in Michigan, a young 15-year-old became pregnant. She had a lot of difficult choices to make. Maybe more so than some young girls, she was raped. Abortion was legal in the 60s for rape. But this young girl chose to give her child life and then to place that child with an adoptive family. And that child was me. My biological father is a rapist. I don't even know my nationality. But I am still a human being. And I still have value. And my life isn't worth any less than any of yours just because of the way I was conceived. And I did not deserve the death penalty because of the crime of my father. And I've listened to the rhetoric all my life. And I've listened to people say, well, every child should be wanted and planned. Well, I wouldn't have an abortion. That's, that's terrible. But, but if it were rape, well, then you're a mistake, Pam. I don't believe that. I believe that every child is wanted by someone. And I believe that God, in his mercy, had a plan for me. And I can't explain it to you. And you can't explain it to me. And I've asked all the hard questions. Don't think I haven't. Did God plan me? 
God plan rape? Because I don't know if I'd serve a God that did that. Did God look down that night in November of 1964 and say, oops, what am I going to do with that? I don't know. But let me tell you something I do know, students. I know that my God is so awesome and so amazing that he is capable of taking your worst pain, whether it was something that you chose or whether it was something that was done to you. And my God can make something very beautiful come from that. It's called Amazing Grace. There's a HuffPost article about her, and it says that according to her website, she's appeared on the Dr. Laura Show, The 700 Club, and Politically Correct with Bill Mayer, as well as being included in President George W. Bush Bush's Face Bath and Community Initiatives meeting. In a video, she tells a crowd that no one has ever had more than one sexual partner and not paid, and that a girl taking birth control could end up sterile or dead. Ew! And then it says, holy misinformation. Stencil speeches sound a little too reminiscent of the scene in Mean Girls where the gym teacher tells students, if you do touch each other, you will get chlamydia and die. There is a book that she wrote called Sex Has a Price Tag, and that came out in 2003, which means, okay, if you see the cover, it looks like a a self-published. There's no way a publishing house would have put this out. God, I'm so glad you remembered about the videos. This would be interesting for us to read. Yeah, we should do like a deep dive. I just think about how stupid I was in like 7th and 8th grade that thank God I had like the attention span of a fly because I wasn't paying attention to everything, but I was paying attention to enough things to just remember it. But something like this being presented to us where it's like sex is evil and sex is bad and if you have sex you're gonna die. It is no wonder I failed religion in eighth grade because we would watch stuff like this and then I would go home and my parents would like say the exact opposite of what I was learning in religion. This is reminding me like it has like young life vibes. Oh my god Young Life is, like, trending on TikTok for people sharing their abuse stories. It does not seem normal. It was, something that always kind of freaked me out about seeing people post about Young Life when we were in high school was how involved the adult leaders were and, like, how interactive they were with youth on facebook i'm like why is this grown-ass man commenting on people's instagram posts or i mean facebook posts in that same grown man i literally saw him while i was filming my documentary in 2021 at an event like a community basketball event and he started talking to me about heaven and hell and then after i spoke out about abuse at He asked me if I would want to be a mentor for his Christian organization. And I said, absolutely not. I will never feel comfortable working with a Christian organization. And he said he understood. And it's like, um... (laughs) I don't think you do. You don't want me to come to your organization because it's going to end up on the news. Like, there is just no way. Those groups... The Catholic institution in general is just a cult. Yeah. I'll tell you what people, like, wrote in to tell us about 
what they remember from sex education in Catholic school. So my friend Mikey, who who grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago, said that his religion teacher spent an entire class period traumatizing everyone about how abortions were performed and explaining what a back alley abortion was, talked about coat hangers, etc. Some girl was crying, I'll never forget. It was very 2006 of her to do this. <laughs> Literal propaganda in the classroom trying to scare a bunch of kids. I think somebody talked to us about back alley abortions and coat hangers. I don't remember that, but it was probably Pam. <laughs> it was probably Pam. Okay, so I have a relative named Agatha who went to school with us, and she sent me a list of things. So, she remembers that in fourth grade, sex was referred to as a special hug. And I remember that, too. Not in fourth grade for us, actually. They talked about that in third grade. But there was no, like, follow-up about it being sex. But it was, like, what people do to get a baby is have a special hug. What a weird way to paint that picture. I was sure confused when that did not feel like no hug. Fifth grade was puberty. Sixth grade was like pregnancy and fetal development. Kids had so many questions that weren't nearly touched on in the books. Like, what does it mean if you're dilated? Oh, that's a really good question. Or what if you want to have sex but don't want to have a baby? One girl said, I'm sure there are ways, but she can't talk about them. Oh, I remember in our all-girls school... In, on, in the health class, which was a joke, they mentioned birth control, but they said that the Catholic Church is against them, is against it. And even though, like, my parents, they weren't against birth control, but no one ever actually, like, told me about birth control. And the guys who I would be, like, intimate with since... I mean, I really blame it on one fact, them being Catholic and being so entitled, already being told that they're better than women growing up. They would never wear condoms. Like, they just would refuse. Like, I've only ever been with one person who has willingly put on a condom. And that person just volunteered because at this point... I was in my 20s, and I had basically just given up, like, trying to get people to wear condoms. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't realize, like, how risky that was. And then I didn't even get on birth control until I was 25 or 24. It was basically because um, these two friends of mine, like, had an intervention with me, and they were like, you, like, need to use birth control. And they said that it was, like, a type of self-harm to not use it, which was so true. And that really, like, resonated with me. So I started using it. And, like, for some reason, I felt weird about using it. And I think it's because I was brainwashed. It definitely is a form of, like, really protecting yourself, especially when you just don't know where guys have been <laughs> like men are not clean in so many ways <laughs> but truly like I personally feel like there's more of an emphasis for women to like 
get tested for things and to regularly have routine checks that are just part of like regular female reproductive health pap smears std testing like x y and z at least that's been my experience and i just i feel like anytime you ask a guy the last time they were tested they don't have like a clear answer i'm just honestly really lucky i didn't get pregnant i i really have wondered if i even can get pregnant since I was essentially conducting my own fertility study for, like, ten years. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God, because every, literally, I have, aside from my boyfriend now, who's a prince, everyone else was just a dirty dog. <laughs> An absolute toad. Agatha also said, I don't think they even mentioned tampons or pads. I do remember them talking about that with us. Oh my god, this is so funny. So when I was young, I was like really into having my period, actually. Like, I hated it. (laughs) I think I cried the first time I got it. I was like, this is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Was it, like, heavy when you first got it? Yeah, and, like, my back pain was, like, debilitating. Like, to the point where sometimes I couldn't get up. And my parents were, like, concerned. There was some, somewhere it said, like, if you get your period at school, like, go to your school's office and they'll have pads for you. And, okay, this is so funny. One time, I just wanted to try it to, like, see what would happen. That's so funny. (laughs) And I went, and no one had anything, and there was, like, a hole. And then they were all, like, scrambling around to try to find something, and no one had anything. That's sounding very Catholic. I hated having my period. I think I like it now for reasons that are so strange, but... Usually when I'm on my period, I get so tired and like obviously like my back kind of hurts, but it's almost like I look forward to finding like relief during my period. I'll sleep really well because I just don't have any energy and anything I'm like craving, I'll eat and it just tastes so much better because I feel like I'm on the brink of death. (laughs) Yeah, I... I, I just have, like, a love-hate. Like, sometimes... I definitely don't feel like I've had as extreme of period symptoms as a lot of my friends. Like, I've I've had pain and cramps and all that stuff. Like, every time I get it, there is, like, some symptoms. But never, like, that back pain that you were talking about. Like, that seems really horrible. And, like, like I've never thrown up. Like, I know a lot of people have thrown up from... Which is just sounds terrible. I switched birth controls like over the summer because I was on one that had a really high dose of estrogen from when I was on Accutane, which I didn't need to be on that high of a dose anymore. And it was like causing issues. So they switched me to a lower dose one. I don't know what the adjustment situation was, but like on the second day of that pill, I remember waking up and just like had a pounding headache, felt so nauseous. My back hurt worse than it's ever hurt before. And like all of my muscles just felt like really shaky. 
it took like a full 24 hours. I was laying face down in my bed for hours, like could not get any relief, was in so much pain. And I think that is something that is really interesting, wasn't part of our sex education either, like more in depth, because that's something I think that's really important for everyone to be aware of that's happening as we get to the age that's closer to our periods, because I think the boys in our grades just didn't understand what a period was. You don't want to grow up to be an adult who doesn't even know what a period is because you're just going to look immature and idiotic. (laughs) Wait, I had a really funny memory, actually. This was one time when I was young that my period was really heavy. And this is so funny about going through puberty. So I was... My dad and me and my brother were driving to Wisconsin to go skiing and I was just sitting there, I was like 12 or 13, listening to my iPod, and I just start feeling so horny. Oh my god. <laughs> and every time we go over a bump or something, I feel like I'm like squirting. <laughs> Wait, and you were on your period? I didn't know it yet, but then... I looked down because of... Wait, I think I know this story. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely do. I looked down and there was just blood everywhere. But I was wearing really light pink sweatpants and they were like completely bled through and it was like on the seat and everything. And I was like, I just gasped and my dad looked over and he just goes, do we need to stop? (laughs) You were in the car? Yes, with my brother, Henry, in the back. So we probably went, had no idea what was going on. He didn't know about what happened for years. And it was so funny because we had to stop at, like, multiple places. We had to stop at a gas station. Then we had to stop at Old Navy. And my brother just he didn't ask why we were stopping at those places. My dad just, like, led him out of the car to, like, run around the parking lot while I was inside, and he had no idea. So, wait, did, how did you go into his door with, like, completely bloody pants? I think I tied, like, a coat around my waist, but I was, it was really uncomfortable. But also, we found a solution, and <laughs> I just remember I, like, was so horny, and I was like, I need to start, like, humping something. <laughs> holy shit oh my god i just need to start you can cut this out but remember beluga beluga's here somewhere oh no he's actually at my house probably for good reason it's okay for me to share who beluga was and just so everyone knows, Beluga is not a code name. Yeah, Beluga is not a code name. When I was a baby, someone like gave me this really strange looking like off brand pillow that's supposed to be Barney. Did you know it was supposed to be Barney? Yeah, I could tell. But it looks nothing like him. It looks like a platypus. Yeah. And it's flat. It doesn't even like. It has a lot of the same characteristics as Barney, but it's, like, 
absolutely like the knockoff of Barney. I don't know if someone like sewed it for me or what, but we'll post a picture on the Jezebel and Friends Instagram so you guys can see it. But I would that would always be my pillow that I would pretend that was my crush and like practice like talking to it and like kissing it and it evolved into just me just like humping it. <laughs> and I like one time I told my friends that I did that and like everyone freaked out and thought I was insane. <laughs> Beluga would come to like sleepovers. Yeah. The emotional support humping pillow. I worked throughout a lot of things with him. <laughs> oh wait, I actually have a couple more testimonials. Um there was one last thing that Agatha said. I remember in high school <laughs> passed out little booklets, one to boys and one to girls, and what it said was don't watch porn, don't masturbate, you will go to hell and burn for eternity. Whoa. That is specific. And obviously, the Fully Alive books in all of our sex education said that homosexuality was wrong. I'm on one part about... um the sexually transmitted infections, there's one part that they said, how are youth who are experiencing Catholic guilt or have restrictive parents going to feel comfortable sharing their sexual health information or even accessing their own doctor away from their parents' surveillance? This is an interesting point about your experience with a doctor that was found through your, like, church experience. Because it's like... Regardless of whether you felt comfortable to talk to your parents about it, at the end of the day, a doctor is someone who you should be consulting about any concerns or issues you're having. But if your doctor is saying stuff to you like, you're not having sex, right? 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 Good. Then it's Mm -hmm. like, not only am I having sex, but I have infections that I need taken care of. Like, What do you think she would have said if you said to her, actually, I am having sex and, like, I'm kind of scared I might have, like, an STD or something? What would she have done? Well, at one point I did tell her that I had oral sex and she was like, does your mom know? Can we tell your mom? And she wanted me to, like, consent to telling my mom, like, right away. And I was like, absolutely not because... My mom wouldn't be able to handle that information. (laughs) I'm surprised she respected that boundary considering the information she disclosed to you about somebody that you know. You know, honestly, Ailish, there's a... I don't don't know this for sure, but there's definitely a chance she didn't respect my privacy, but that I just don't know about that. Would you ever ask your mom... If she, like, volunteered information about you? Not at this point, because this topic is way too contentious between (laughs) me and anyone who who would still consider themselves part of the Catholic Church. (laughs) They say that the books don't go in-depth in any way into LGBTQ representation, which we knew about that. Yeah. Um, 
Um, masturbation. It claims that masturbation leads people into self-centeredness, but God's gift of sexuality is supposed to lead us toward others. It's like, okay, you don't want us to have sex and you don't want us to get STDs, but then we can't have sex with ourselves. Cool. (laughs) And this one is also complicated for me because... My parents told me that masturbation wasn't a sin and not to listen to the church about that. But you still get that, like, internalized shame about doing it. But, so there were times where I, like, tried to masturbate when I was younger. And I straight up just didn't know how. Like, I did not even know how to masturbate until I was 21. Even in high school and college unless you were seeking out that education on your own I mean sex education in the U.S. is pretty fucked like across the board with the exception of like the program that you are involved in there's not anything super solid that like we didn't know anything about our own anatomy. If they were to put, like, a diagram of, like, a penis or a vagina in front of us and we're like, what's that? I would be like, I have no idea. I feel like I only recently started to understand, like, at what points of your menstrual cycle you're most likely to get pregnant in terms of, like, ovulation. None of that was ever, like, explained to us. Which is also a huge problem because it's like at the end of the day, you're not going to stop teenagers and young adults from having sex, at least if they understand when they're the most likely to become pregnant, they can be a little bit more careful rather than like having an unwanted pregnancy being the teaching moment. Yeah, there are better programs today, but still not enough. And to go more into detail on the program I'm involved with it's called our whole lives and the acronym for it is owl and it's comprehensive sexuality education so that means comprehensive sex ed has like a few main things they focus on I might not remember all of them but because I'm like just learning about this but it's diversity justice so like knowing your rights and also social justice violence pleasure anatomy life stages um so it really like touches on everything and they work really hard to remove the like shame and stigma from everything and just kind of force kids to do critical thinking exercises about like stereotypes or gender roles so kids will come to conclusions on their own like yeah it's really stupid that like boys can get teased and stuff if they wear dresses or nail polish or like pink and everyone just comes to those conclusions on their own so it's really like empowering and also then they're learning about sex and like their bodies and sexual violence before they hear about it like in slang terms at school where information might not be true or on the internet like which you don't even know what they might see on the internet i mean just having like a safe space to feel comfortable 
to bring up certain things they're confused about or have questions about. Like, I wish we had something like that because even trying to navigate some of those questions on my own on Google, like, I don't think I had enough of, like, a good foundation of sex education to navigate that, so. Fully Alive made a claim that young people develop temporary attractions to members of the same sex. And it being sort of presented in a way that's like temporary that when those kids realize like that attraction is not temporary they think there's something wrong with them i wonder if this like shame indoctrination explains why i used to feel the need to show everybody my vibrator i thought that was awesome i basically bought that crazy one because it was my first time getting one or going into a sex store and again we were 20 or 21 and oh yeah were you there when we went to the store it was the one that was in like wrigleyville right yeah <laughs> and i was really scared because it everything was like really everything i had been brainwashed to think was taboo even though i knew that it wasn't you're still like brainwashed so I was intimidated by the salesperson because she was wearing, like, a sex costume. <laughs> and they gave yeah. us, like, champagne. <laughs> but I basically just agreed to buy, like, one of the first ones she showed me, which was insane and had all these features that I couldn't even use. <laughs> I remember her explaining it to you and you were like, okay, okay. <laughs> as if someone was telling you how to like change a tire oh my god well she was asking me questions about like what i liked and stuff and i really didn't even know yeah it's like that's why i'm here (laughs) to figure it out (laughs) i don't even think i had an orgasm until i got that device which is really problematic didn't your doctor tell you to get that to like experiment with that yes a doctor, not my Catholic doctor. <laughs> well, I basically went to a gynecologist because every time I had sex, it was super painful. And it turns out it's because I was just stressed as fuck and super traumatized. <clears throat> and to be completely honest, the problem isn't totally resolved by any means. Um <laughs> that vibrator broke so i didn't get a chance to really work out the problem wait do you remember the i wouldn't even call it a vibrator but it was a sex toy that you got me for my birthday it doesn't work anymore that doesn't surprise me because from what i've learned in my experiences don't ever waste your money on like a cheap vibrator if it's not like eighty or eighty dollars and up, it's probably <laughs> not gonna be worth it. Yeah, well I the reason it didn't work is I lost the charger. So I was like, I'll just look up what kind of charger it needs. So I ordered the charger on Amazon, left it charging for like hours and it still didn't work that I was like, This is like this is a lost cause. And I know that a lot of them technically usually don't work after like a year. Like, they have a warranty, like a one-year lifespan or something. If you really run them into the ground. 
Wait, have you gotten a different, like, vibrator since? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you asked. So, do you remember in Italy when I got a vibrator from a vending machine? Yes. So, in Italy, there are these vending machines just everywhere that have, like, condoms, lube, and even vibrators. I got the only vibrator option they had there, which was, like, a cheap one, but still not cheap, like, $30, and it was just no good, and then I got another one when I came back, when I moved back to Chicago, and it's super cute, it has, like, diamonds on it, but it's no good, but also, like, the problem with my expensive one, even though it was, it was really good, it was massive and it was something I was never gonna be able to like insert which is fine because I didn't I don't really even like doing that but that was supposed to be the point of me getting a vibrator (laughs) from my doctor's perspective was to like loosen things up because I was stressed as fuck wait is the bedazzled one the like blue one that you have yeah um my friend was where did you get it a sex store downtown I can't remember though my friend was telling me about this she's like a sex toy connoisseur (laughs) she I don't like One time I went over to her apartment and we were talking about them and she was like, yeah, I have a whole collection. And we like, and she like brought out this box and had all these different ones. I was like, I don't even know what this stuff is. But so she told me that there's an online website called Spectrum Boutique. And she was like, that's where I like getting a lot of my sex toys from. So I like, after I figured out that the one you got me was completely dead, there was no way for me to save it. I was looking at the ones on the website, and there were some that interested me. But remember the time I sent you that video of, like, that monster erotica about how there are monster, like, vibrators and sex toys that, like, they're part of, like, a fantasy line or something, and you they get really extreme? They have those. And they're, like, I'm not trying to kink shame at all. They're just, that's not my thing. But it's really interesting to see those. And see, like, the reviews. Yeah, that would be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) My boyfriend accused me of wanting to be a furry because I always try to make him dress up in, like, Olaf costumes. He's such a good sport. It's not sexual, though. Like, you're not having him dress up as Olaf for a sexual thing. It's because you love Frozen. Yeah, but he he bought an Olaf costume to try to swoon me in the beginning of our relationship, and it worked. And ever since then, I have not seen the costume, and he alleges that he lost it. He actually blames me for losing it, which would have never happened. How do you lose a costume? It was actually after the night at my house, at my apartment, where he was wearing it. It disappeared that night. That was so funny, the night that he wore that. Because do you remember? He took, like, he took the second half, like, the top half off of him and tied it around his waist. So the Olaf head was, like, bouncing every time that he walked. (laughs) Oh, oh. Just in case... 
the last testimonial that was sent in was um, from my brother's girlfriend. And she actually went to school, Catholic school in New Jersey, but they used the fully alive curriculum, obviously. Did they have the books? And, yeah. And, like, when they sent it home with her, just because they did such a good job at making us feel, like, scared and ashamed... She, like, didn't want to show it to her parents because she, like, thought it was bad. And then when they, like, tried to talk to her about it, she, like, screamed at them and was like, get out of my room. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that thing where you're horrified, like, when your parents are like, it's time to have the talk. And I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Both of your parents talked to you about sex? Yeah. It was, like, part of our dinner conversations. We would just be having a fine time, and they'd be like, what if we talked about this right now? (laughs) We just had no choice. We just had to talk about it. And it's funny because what I was being taught at home was the polar opposite of what we were being taught in school. Like, in school, it was like, sex is a sin. You don't do it until you're married. It's just to make babies. And if you think about it, or if you're having those sexual thoughts, like you need to stifle that immediately where like at home my parents were like sex is normal like you can have sex before marriage sex is not just for babies it's for like pleasure and enjoyment and expression and like that's why I failed religion like ever it it just massive contradictions so did you actually fail religion Not, like, in the earlier years, but 7th and 8th grade, I think it was, like, a point of conversation during parent-teacher conferences. I remember in 8th grade, I was getting, like, a C-. minus. At one point, it was a D, but, like, before graduating, I think, I think I did some extra credit where they brought it, they brought it up to, like, a B- minus or something. But I just... Do you remember when we would come back from church and they would be like, what was the homily about? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I wasn't paying attention. So, like, that wasn't helping me at all. <laughs> like, I just wasn't getting points ever. Yeah. S- same. I remember doing really poorly when there would be, like, quizzes about what happened in mass. Because it's not, like, age-appropriate information. So it's really hard to understand what people are talking about is <laughs> I just remember the most unhinged um homilies like do you remember when father told us that his sister was a prostitute nope I don't remember that at all and it's like I actually believe him but and that's like really sad and scary and also like who knows the situation but he I remember that whole homily like it was yesterday. She struggled with addiction and like she had kids and was homeless. And he said he was like, she's a prostitute. Oh my God. Okay. They loved using that word. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) The fact that they use it on you is insane. A child. And also are so hypocritical in terms of having any type of compassion for someone who is like either falling into that because they're struggling with things personally or have like addiction issues or 
if sex work is just the line of work that they've chosen. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, to put it in that light is really damaging. Thanks for listening to our episode of Jezebel and Friends. If you want to write into the show with any stories or experiences or questions about Catholic school, you can message us on Instagram. Our Jezebel and Friends Instagram account is spelled out Jezebel, the word and friends, or you can email us at jezebelandfriends at gmail.com. Okay. Okay. I'm going to stop recording.